Jeffrey, and welcome back to Night Falls. Come settle in for tonight's soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come, get comfy by the fireside for the tale of a trip I once took back into a memory. Not one of my own, but the fondest one that shone in Lyra's eyes. It was the memory of a blue-skied, sunny day in 1958, when she found herself on the rugged coast of Cornwall, with her mother and grandmother watching over her. Devandi and I were given the privilege, and I imagine rare opportunity to peek into Lyra's history and enjoy a perfect summer's day in a time long gone by. So breathe deep, lay back and relax into the past as the waves begin to shimmer and lap on the beach around you. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven, natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. The summer was a long and lazy one. I almost didn't notice the easy routine I'd fallen into, and might have missed it entirely had I not caught Lyra keeping to the same timings each day. 
On the seventh day I had marked her course through nightfalls, pottering about the clearing and tending to the same flowers as ever. I thought I noticed the plants themselves leaning into her as she passed them. It was as though she were the sun to them. Wherever she was, they turned to face her, petals open like arms to welcome her. That particular afternoon, I wondered for the first time how different nightfalls might have looked had Lyra not been tending to the flowers that bloomed across the mountainside for almost half a century. My dear friend Lyra rose early, no doubt with the sun, and wandered up to the clearing from her quiet cottage before the sun could creep too high into the sky and make the task a hot one. Often, Devani and I would only begin to stir on the beach when Lyra grew tired of our idleness and began to clatter the pots and pans by the campfire together in a thinly veiled attempt to wake us up. She could create rather a lot of noise in pretending to have set about making breakfast, and although she carried out this ruse often enough, and was quite sure she had Devani and I convinced her intent to make everyone egg and soldiers, I'd never found more than a pot of water coming to the boil when I finally made my way over to the campfire to help her, and I don't think she would ever truly deign to drop any of the eggs into the water or butter any bread. Nevertheless, the carry-on had become something I looked forward to each morning, and so I always thanked her and insisted I take over. After we ate breakfast, Lyra would take a lap around the lake, wading through the shallows as her breakfast went down. After perhaps the hundredth time I had watched her come to sit beside Otto on the beach, and wait for her feet to dry in the midday sun. I wondered how many summers she had carried out that precise routine without interruption. I wondered if, like all of us do from time to time, my wisest friend might be craving a little adventure, or simply a change of scenery. Tentatively, I brought it up over lunch one waning afternoon, and though at first Lyra seemed perfectly content to stay set in her ways, and willing to relish in the perfect peace that befell the clearing day in and day out, eventually, when I pressed her, I thought I felt her attention plummeting back into the past. Lyra's eyes filled with feeling, wherever her thoughts had taken her, had to have been a happy place. For a childlike wonder that ought not to have fit her features so well anymore, lifted her lips into a smile and hung new stars in the corners of her eyes. 
I didn't pry or push for details on what might have stirred her soul. It was Lyra's past to revisit, if she so wished. And so lunch passed the next day, as did much of the afternoon. My friends and I had bumbled through the evening, and the last of the dinner plates had been washed up and cleared away by the time Lyra finally broke her silence. Perhaps a trip might be nice. Just a short one, she insisted. There is one condition. I would like to decide where we go. I rather got the sense Lyra had already chosen our destination. She had been far quieter than usual the evening prior. Her hair seemed a little wilder than was customary and her blue eyes had been glazed and glassy, as if they had turned their attention elsewhere, inwards, and all the way back to her childhood. We followed Lyra to the quietest corner of the clearing, where time seemed to have stopped turning, and the plants I recognised began to twine with ones that I could only assume sprouted long before I came into being. I sensed that the bright, billowing leaves and fruiting flowers had grown even deeper, longer roots into the earth beneath us than they had stalks or stems stretching toward the heavens. I was convinced that each time Devani and I travelled the path of time, hither and back, we were trudging up the past with our tracks and splattering it into the present with the mud and dust that clung to the bottom of our boots. The farther into the past we wandered, the bigger the plants that shrouded the path in shade grew to be. They belonged to the Jurassic Age. I felt sure of it, for grand green leaves billowed in the gentle breeze above us, and I suddenly felt rather like an ant mite making its way through the cropped blades of grass in my allotment. The scale of the natural world had me feeling rather awestruck as my friends and I waded back into the past, There was something a little more alive about the plants at the end of the path of time. I tried to imagine what the world might have been like when those giant flowers had been the only thing sustaining themselves beneath the sun, and made a note to myself to wander back that far on my own one day, to enjoy the perfect peace of an earth uninterrupted. We took a left at the fork and the path wrapped around, drawing us back towards nightfalls for a moment, before opening out onto where and whenever had occupied Lyra's mind. The path opened out onto a seaside promenade some five decades in the past, where skirts were fuller, hair was bigger and an ice cream on the beach was still the very top of everyone's holiday itinerary. My grandmother took my mother here as a girl, 
and my mother took me. Lyra beamed, half caught up in memories of the past, half busy making new ones. Three generations of the women in my family here all at once. Lyra smiled to herself, and just as though she were navigating Nightfall's clearing, she began to make her way along the promenade, as though it had almost been home to her once. Don't toddle, I've much to show you. If I remember it right, this weather will hold, she assured Devani and I. We should be in the summer of 1958. It was a Gorgeous one. Endless sun and summer breeze for fifty days straight, my mother said. We followed Lyra down onto the beach, and though the quaint Cornish seaside village we found ourselves relaxing in was postcard perfect, I found it hard to tear my eyes off of my old friend, whose entire demeanour had shifted. Lyra seemed younger to me that afternoon than she ever had. She was so full of the youth and curiosity that I sometimes thought I caught in the corner of her eyes. Lyra was quick to rid herself of her shoes and socks and to begin to paddle in the shallows. The waves lapped at her ankles as she gazed out at the horizon and I wonder if this was where her thoughts turned when she did her morning lap around the lake in nightfalls. I couldn't pinpoint when I realised that this was not simply a trip to some far-off place Lyra had visited before. It took me longer than it should have to recognise that we were anchored up in a real memory of hers. At a precise moment in time, that meant a great deal to my dear friend. Her perfect rendering of the past shifted around us as she turned back toward me, and I felt our presence in her past dragging those moments a little closer to the present. I'd have been careful where I trod and tried to keep the sands of time settled, but Lyra not smiled at me softly and told me that she very much hoped that moment would cling to our boots, find its way into our pockets, and get tangled up in our hair, if that meant just a little of her memory could return home to nightfalls with us. Together we ambled up the beach arm in arm, with Lyra between Devani and I, we wandered past friends playing cricket and smiled politely at families with grandparents unwilling to embrace the new age, wearing full skirts and suits on the beach and looking rather stiff under the summer sun as their grandchildren ran riot across the sands. Children chased Otto across the beach and into the shallows turning to run from him as he bounded out of the water after them in an attempt to shake out his fur and splatter them as he had done to my friends and I so often. When we reached the top of the beach, 
Lyra called out to Otto and his ears pricked up at the sound of her voice. He trotted up the sand towards us, healing faster than he ever would have for me. I knew from the way his tongue hung out of his mouth and his eyes lit up that he intended to shake out his fur on me. As he splattered my legs with sand, I even gave him the satisfaction of pretending to have been caught off guard. I would never tire of Otto's antics, for I had never known a dog with such character. I'd noticed by late that summer that Otto only ever really kicked up a fuss or made himself the centre of attention when someone else needed a distraction from their own worries, wobbles, gripes or grumbles. It made no sense at all that the least peaceful member of my Nightfalls family was most often the one to restore people with a sense of inner calm but I would always be grateful for the schnauzer's efforts. Couldn't imagine Otto had gone to spend much time at real beaches in his life. Of course, he had much experience on the sandy banks of the lake in Nightfalls, but although there was a wildness about the falls, it differed from that of the unruly Cornish coast. Even in the beautiful bay we found ourselves relaxing in late that afternoon, where mankind had done its best to carve out a Cornish cove all to itself, there was no halting the power of the winds that swept across the clifftops and rushed down onto the beach. The ocean could not be tamed, would not be calmed, and it always struck me as the perfect mirror of the human soul. I knew it to be powerful, strong, still and stormy, just like all of the greatest people I had ever met. At the top of the beach there was an arcade, the clattering of two pence pieces tumbling out of the slot machines drew me back to summer holidays from my own childhood. There was a rickety roller coaster with wooden tracks looping through the air above us that I rather hoped Devani wouldn't make me ride on with her. There was a whack-a-mole I couldn't wait to try and a house of mirrors that I thought Otto might be rather taken with for he had only ever seen his reflection in the glassy surface of the lake and would, I'm sure, be thrilled to make his own acquaintance for the first time. Lyra led us through the park, and all the while I pondered which part of the fair might have been her favourite as a child. I wondered if her mother had ever joined her on the Ferris wheel, and how many tickets she had won at the arcade. When we meandered past a row of claw machines, I asked her if they were as useless as picking up the toys behind the glass as they had been back in my day. She didn't need to answer me, 
for just as I posed the question, I watched the spindly claw lift a teddy bear from the pit and drop it once again, much to the dismay of the young boy at the controls. Lyra led us out of the fair and across the street before, with all the nonchalance of a child, or that of a 75-year-old woman who had been living off-grid for decades. She pulled back several slats of a wooden fence and snuck us onto the first platform of the train station. The 6pm steam train from St. Ives to Land's End rolled into the station, and giggling like teenagers, my friends and I boarded without our tickets. I'd never really been a great risk-taker. Even as a boy, when the stakes and repercussions were nearly non-existent. Anchored up in Lyra's past, however, I felt rather more free to risk not paying the four-shilling fare to Land's End. There was, of course, the added complication that I was not from the 1950s and neither knew what a shilling looked like nor had a single one to my name. The steam train huffed and puffed its way along the coastline from North Cornwall to the very tip of England's most western peninsula. I wiped the condensation from the inside of the window and was so taken by the stunning ocean views beyond it that I didn't notice myself pressing my nose against the glass to get a closer look until I heard laughter bubbling out of Devani from across the table between us. The vision before me was awash with blues. Sky blue, sea blue, blue bottom boats bobbing off the coast. Cornwall remains rugged even today, but back in Lyra's day it seemed to me that the cliffs were just a little more severe in the way they cut into the ocean, and the landscape seemed all the more unkempt for it. For all the jagged rock jutting out into the sea, there was a softness about the land that tempered its severity where wild seas crashed against rocky points, soft grass and wildflowers bloomed on the cliff tops above. The Cornish coast reminded me of the place I grew up in in Scotland. Both were landscapes that provided, that persevered, that weathered storms and offered the most perfect summer days only thrice a year, when you weren't prepared for it, had yet to rout out the Factor 30 sun cream, and had no time to set up your barbecue. When the train rolled into its final stop at England's most western point, Otto provided the guard with ample distraction, as Devani, Lyra and I ducked past the ticket office and saw ourselves out onto the street. 
We wandered along the headland together, the winds whipping up out of the ocean and catching in our hair. The breeze was strong, and though perhaps it ought to have knocked me off balance, the freshness of it against my skin had me feeling all the more grounded as we wandered across the cliff top. When the sun finally broke through the clouds, a typical fairly fair weather day on the English coast suddenly became clear enough that I was certain if I squinted a little harder, I would be able to make out the east coast of America off in the distance. My friends and I stood shoulder to shoulder, gazing out at the ocean, buoyed by the knowledge that it was the only thing left between us and America. America really didn't seem so far away to me. It never had. But when I caught Lyra with a wistful look in her eyes, I was reminded of how much bigger the world must have seemed to her back then and how much wider that stretch of water between our coastlines might have seemed to my friend when she was only we, and the world wasn't nearly as connected. That evening, we did as Lyra said she, her mother, and grandmother always had. We ducked into the local fish and chip shop, and made three orders of chips, mine heavy on the salt and vinegar, Devani's with extra ketchup, and Lyra's, for reasons I could neither understand nor support, without any of the necessary trimmings. We carried our supper outside, did our best not to share too many chips with Otto, and watched the sunset as we sat together eating on the seawall. Lyra watched the sun go down once more on one of her favourite childhood memories, and I wondered what corner of my past I might like to duck into over the winter months. I wondered if there was anywhere Devani held dear, that she might be so inclined to share with me. Before I could stew too much, Lyra interrupted my train of thought. Come along, she smiled. That is quite enough excitement for one day. Let's get home before Otto gets any grand ideas. I think it's high time I got some sleep. We followed Lyra back toward the train station, and little by little, the Cornish cobbles gave way to nightfall's mossy thicket. The farther we made our way down the little Cornish lanes, the more nightfall's undergrowth made itself known. Moss and grass burst through the cracks in the paving, and vines wound up the guttering until the cottages and inns that lined the streets had treetips poking out of their chimneys, and the great blooming flowers I knew only to flourish in nightfalls 
bursting through their windows. When the dark of night finally came in to nest, my friends and I found ourselves back on the beach in nightfalls. The sand beneath my feet felt a little softer than that of the beaches in Cornwall, and the stars felt all the more familiar. Otto escorted Lyra back through the ravine to her cosy abode. On the way, I suspected she would pick herbs from the thicket and use them to brew a strong pot of tea before she set to bed with her book. Otto would no doubt fall asleep across her toes, collecting breakfast from her when she awoke at dawn, before trotting up to nightfalls in search of a second one from Devani or I. As I stretched out beside Devani on the beach that night, sleep came to us easily, and we welcomed it with open arms.